In this podcast recording, we're going to be talking about Understanding Agoraphobia, which is chapter 2 of the book. Where we are going. Now that you know about anxiety, fear, and phobias, we will focus our attention on agoraphobia in particular. In this chapter, you will learn the unique features of agoraphobia, why it occurs, and who is afflicted by it. You will also learn the different types of agoraphobia and may recognize your own phobia as you read about them. We will once more become a little technical in order to explain why agoraphobia is sometimes hard to recognize for both lay people and therapists. Finally, we distinguish agoraphobia from other phobias. The word agora is Greek for marketplace. In ancient Greece, the agora was an open space, usually in the center of the city where there were public buildings and religious temples. The word phobias, also Greek, means fight, fear, or dread. The term agoraphobia was used for the first time in a clinical context in 1871 by the German physician Karl Friedrich Westphal. Westphal saw a number of patients who feared walking through open spaces or empty streets, going to church or entering other large rooms of people, or riding in trains. His patients also described strong sensations of anxiety, even terror. Westphal used the word agoraphobia to mean a fear of spaces. Over time, phobia has come to mean an irrational fear that is excessive to a given situation, leading to avoidance of a feared event or place. In the last couple of decades, agoraphobia has become associated largely with the syndrome known as panic disorder. A number of people with agoraphobia have unexpected panic attacks and then start to fear having them which often brings on more attacks. Ultimately, they begin avoiding a number of situations for fear of having a full-blown panic attack. Panic-related agoraphobia has received a great deal of attention from researchers and theoreticians. However, as you will soon discover, there are many other types of agoraphobia. Formal Definitions and Diagnostic Issues The latest edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, DSM-5, American Psychiatric Association, defines agoraphobia as anxiety about being in places or situations from which escape may be difficult because of physical or social constraints embarrassment, or where help may not be available in the event of a panic attack or panic-like symptoms, such as a sudden attack of dizziness or diarrhea or loss of bladder control. The symptoms feel incapacitating or embarrassing. As a consequence 
Agoraphobics avoid doing things outside the home, entering crowded situations, taking public transportation, driving, going in elevators, being home alone, and so on. You either avoid the feared situation or you enter it with great discomfort. Being accompanied may allow agoraphobics to do some other feared activities. Note, if you suffer from an identified medical condition, fear of incapacitation or embarrassment must be clearly excessive to the condition in order to qualify for diagnosis of agoraphobia. The DSM-5 identifies two types of agoraphobia. One type involves a fear of panic attacks and is called panic disorder with agoraphobia. The DSM-5 defines panic attacks as sudden surges of intense fear accompanied by a number at least four of the following symptoms. Palpations, pounding heart, sensations of shortness of breath or smothering, lightheadedness, dizziness, faint feelings, sweating, hot or cold flushes, trembling, shaking, numbness, tingling, choking sensations, nausea, abdominal distress, chest pain, discomfort, feelings of unreality, of dissociation, dispersonalization, derealization, fear of dying and fear of going crazy or losing control, to be diagnosed with to be diagnosed with panic disorder agoraphobia, you must experience some panic attacks that seems to come out of the blue or are not predictably attached to the situation. People with other phobias may have panic attacks when confronted with or while anticipating the situations they fear. But the fear of an unexpected panic attacks is a central feature of panic disorder agoraphobia. The second type of agoraphobia is agoraphobia without history of panic disorder. This diagnosis is a mixed category that includes fear of any symptom attack other than panic. People with phobias related to a fear of vomiting or headaches, for example, would be classified in this category. Strictly speaking, you must have no history of panic disorder in order to meet criteria for agoraphobia without panic disorder, regardless of the type of symptom attack you currently fear. There are some problems with the DSM-5 classifications of agoraphobia. First, it is questionable whether the two types of agoraphobia should be separated. The various forms of agoraphobia have more similarities than differences. We will discuss these common elements of agoraphobic fear in the next chapter. Second, because agoraphobic agoraphobia without panic disorder category requires no history of panic disorder, you will be assigned a panic disorder agoraphobia diagnosis if you have had unexpected panic attacks in the past, whether or not you suffer from them now.
Consider a 42-year-old man who avoids driving alone for fear of having an unexpected migraine headache. Let's say 10 years ago, he had a panic disorder. Even though he does not currently fear panic attacks, technically, he would be diagnosed with panic disorder agoraphobia. This criteria ignores what a person truly fears. These problems are not present in the international classification of diseases and related health problems. The, the classification disease of related health problems distinguishes between anxiety states, which includes panic attacks and panic disorders and phobic states, which include agoraphobia and other phobias. You might then be diagnosed with a phobic state alone or also an anxiety state, such as panic disorder. Agoraphobia can thus stand on its own without having to be associated with panic disorder. In the International Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems, no dis distinction is made based on the type of symptom attack the individual fears. How we define agoraphobia. In this book, we will deviate a little bit from the DSM-5 classification system and will look at agoraphobia as a diagnostic entity in itself. We see panic disorder agoraphobia and agoraphobia without panic disorder as belonging to the same category. We think this is a more useful way to understand agoraphobia and justify it for two reasons. First, inter international thinking as reflected in the international classification of diseases and related health problems follows a similar line of thought. Second, the DSM-5 is likely to change. It is not an internal truth, but rather a work in progress with hopefully increasing accuracy. As new research sheds light on this and other disorders, we believe the next edition of the DSM-5 will be more consistent with our definition. Here is our definition of agoraphobia. Agoraphobia is a malative fear of and desire to avoid situations in which the individual believes a symptom attack may occur and result in incapacitation, humiliation, or other catastrophe. The central theme in agoraphobia is that you fear being somewhere where a symptom attack may, might occur. Although there are many different symptom attacks feared by people with agoraphobia, their various attacks have some common features. They all have a sudden and rapid onset and are perceived as un unpredictable and uncontrollable. In almost every case, the feared symptom attack is perceived as leading to catastrophe. These feared catastrophic consequences includes insanity, 
loss of control and humiliation, embarrassment, etc. Phobic avoidance may be le limited to a certain situation or it can expand to many other situations wherever the individual's symptom attacks might occur. What causes agoraphobia and how common is it? No single cause has been identified that can explain all causes of agoraphobia. Most experts believe the disorder is influenced by a combination of factors that may include genetics, biochemical irregularities, stressful life events, learning history, and accurate beliefs about the danger of bodily symptoms and other factors. Fortunately, for this self-help program to work, you don't need to know all the factors that might have contributed to your agoraphobia. Even in therapy, knowing the cause of a problem is not usually required for a successful outcome. This is because what originally caused a disorder may no longer be present or relevant to the process of recovery. What you need to know, however, is what maintains your agoraphobia. Successful strategies for eliminating phobias, like chronic behavioral therapy and the protocol, protocol outlined in this book, address the factors that keep a disorder going and teach ways to change it. According to etymological studies, agoraphobia is estimated to affect between 2.8 and 5.7% of the population. This range may reflect how the studies were conducted and variations in the populations interviewed. With the recent emphasis on panic disorder, agoraphobia without panic disorder has often taken a backseat in research. This is partly because panic attacks often prompt people to seek treatment whether or not they have agoraphobia. We know that a large percentage of people with agoraphobia do not seek treatment or help. Many cope by avoiding feared situations when they can and enduring them when they can't. In either case, they suffer and the phobias limit their lives. They are not free. The, ins the incidence of panic disorder is somewhat higher in women than men. At least 60% of people with panic disorder develop agoraphobia. Of those who develop agoraphobia, 75% are women. Men tend to resort more often to alcohol and drugs than avoidance to cope with anxiety and panic. These differences between men and women may be influenced by biological factors. However, social factors play <clears throat> an equally important role. For example, it has been uh, more acceptable for women to stay close to home and not venture out as much, while men have been the breadwinners who need to go out more often. These and other sex roles differences may account for the ways in which men and women cope with fear. Different types of agoraphobia. Now that you know that the central themes that unite all forms of agoraphobia, it is important to learn the different types 
a symptom attack of individual fear. Individuals fear. We will describe some of the more common types of agoraphobia. See if you notice your own symptoms in any of the descriptions below. Number one, agoraphobia with fear of panic attacks. This is probably the most common type of agoraphobia and has certainly been the most widely studied. Given the nature and number of symptoms associated with panic, it is not difficult to understand why so many people misinterpret it, the symptoms of these attacks as a sign of a heart attack, stroke, insanity, or other catastrophe. In addition to external situations like crowds, traveling far from home, and driving, people with this disorder often avoid physical exertion or anything else they perceive might create the symptoms they fear. Multiple emergency room visits are a common and expensive outcome of this type of agoraphobia. Number two, agoraphobia with fear of headaches. No one likes headaches, but some people are afraid of them and think headaches are a sign of serious disease or will lead to disaster. The most obvious feared, feared outcome of headaches is a stroke. However, some people fear psychological or social consequences like losing control or going crazy. What people avoid, of course, varies from person to person. One woman could not venture more than 10 minutes from her home, which was the amount of time between the initial era, a sensation that precedes migraine headaches and the onset of her migraine headaches, which that she actually experienced about once a year. Home was her safety zone where she felt safe in case she lost her mind from the headache. Number three, agoraphobia with fear of vomiting. Throwing up is another unpleasant, somewhat unpredictable symptom attack that can elicit fear. Some people with this fear are abnormally prone to vomit, but very often they have rarely thrown up and may never have vomited in the situations they are avoiding. There are at least two types of feared outcomes that can be associated with the fear of vomiting. The most common type we see is a fear of being eliminated in front of others. This fear is often accompanied by an avoidance of social situations, especially restaurants. People with this fear often do not care if they throw up at home. The other type of fear is not related to social concerns. Rather, the fear is of the experience of vomiting itself. It does not matter if they are alone or in public. They feel they cannot handle the experience of throwing up. No matter what the feared outcome is, people with the fear of vomiting often restrict their food intake and engage in other avoidant behaviors they believe will prevent nausea. In some cases, this behavior can seriously jeopardize their physical health. Number four. 
agoraphobia with fear of loss of bladder or bowel control. Some people fear losing urinary or bowel control. In some cases, there is a real problem with bladder or bowel control, possibly due to a medical condition. In most cases, however, physical control is normal, but the agoraphobic fears, what if? Usually, the feared outcome is embarrassment and avoidance focuses on social situations, like those who fear vomiting. People with this fear often engage in unhealthy eating habits or abuse medicines in an attempt to control their digestive system. Number five, agoraphobia with fear of fainting. A fear of fainting can be associated with the fear of panic attacks, but some people do not tie the experience of fainting to the experience of panic and are afraid only of passing out. In some cases, there is a medical reason why the person should be concerned about fainting. But more often, the person has rarely, if ever, passed out. Sensations of dizziness, lightheadedness, or being off balance are seen as signs of impeding loss of consciousness, creating fear wherever, whenever they occur. The perceived danger of fainting is sometimes physical harm or um dangerous, but very often it has to do with embarrassment. People fear others will judge them as being weak or will ridicule them. Agoraphobic people who fear fainting often take extra precautions. They walk near the wall or sturdy objects, use a cane, or avoid sudden turns or movements to ensure they won't fall. Those who fear being embarrassed will also dread or avoid social situations where others could witness their collapse. Number six, other agoraphobic fears. There are many other types of symptom attacks that can become the objective of agoraphobic fear. Examples include acute pain episodes other than headache, mild Panic responses called limited symptom attacks and unpredictable attacks of emotions other than anxiety such as anger or sadness. All of these experiences are time-limited, intense, highly unpleasant, largely unpredictable, and uncontrollable, and can be perceived as potentially catastrophic. These are the key features of symptom attacks associated with agoraphobia. Number seven, agoraphobic reactions to medical conditions. There is one additional group of agoraphobic symptom attacks that should be considered separately. They may have similar features to other feared symptom attacks we have described, but they are potentially dangerous. All the symptom attacks listed below this section, no matter how uncomfortable or painful, are not medically dangerous in themselves. In some cases, however, people severely restrict their lives for fear of experiencing medical events like seizures, asthma attacks, or heart attacks. Remember, here we are talking about conditions that have been formally diagnosed by a physician, not simply what someone fears could happen. People vulnerable to these types of attacks should be careful and be sure to follow their physician or doctor's directives.
However, even in these situations, there may, there may be some misperception of danger, and people with medical conditions sometimes engage in avoidance way beyond the cautions prescribed by their doctor. They also may stop participating in activities that are not capable of triggering the feared symptom attack. Does it sound like you? Whether or not you consider your fears agoraphobic, you may benefit from some of the principles used to help people recover from agoraphobia. In such cases, however, close coordination with physician is warranted. Your physician should be able to help you determine whether the things you avoid are truly dangerous for your medical condition. And in the next podcast recording, we're going to talk about from fear to phobia.